There's a fundamental difficulty, I think, with any kind of media that wants to catalogue things in alphabetical order, and it usually only works if you want to talk about wooden instruments that you hit with a mallet. Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time and hit it with a tiny mallet. <laughs> this week it's X because X marks the spot. What happened with X, Anya? Well, we, had, we had such great, such such noble intentions, but then and then X came along and ruined it all. I know, I know. X is a bit of a blemish on our perfect record so far. It's got to be yeah, said, love. It's a, it's a blight on our language. Because <laughs> I did, I did actually attempt to find words which would be might be suitable, but they're all they're all cheating. It's all words like exuberant or excited or expressive or yeah, I would have thrown all of those out. Exactly, because they don't actually start with X. Exactly. So this episode, I, I will warn you now, is going to be a lot less rigorously researched and a lot more philosophical because it's I a grab t- bag. It's a grab bag. It's a it's a mix up. It's a yeah. it's it's the pick and mix of Woolworths. God bless our souls. Where we get a little bit of there's going to be a couple of liquid sauce sorts. There's going to be those gummy bear things, and there's going to be the flying sauces with the with the so- the sorbet in- inside. Sugar so, mice. Sh- oh. Mm-hmm. Haven't encountered the sugar mouse for ages. So today is going to be a bit more uh, philosophical, a bit more reflective, and and really just looking into this idea of X marks the spot. The in our the Western society, X can mean a lot of things as a symbol. And just thinking about the difference between receiving an X at the bottom of a letter or a message versus the X at the bottom of a school test for example mm. or, or, or even what x might stand for on uh, in a treasure hunt because it is these these things where you know symbols in our lives depending on where we find them reattach we have so much association with these things i'm just thinking now about kind of like the school report stuff or, or the school yeah. test stuff and getting the red pen of the x <laughs> yeah and, and and it really is it brings up that association and yet if someone hand writes an x on the bottom of something after their name that's all of a sudden that's 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 an, that's an affectionate thing that's that's someone showing showing love to you do you infer any difference in meaning between a capital X and a lowercase x when people send them in text messages? Generally speaking, well, I think it's an age thing, right? Well, well no, just because for me, and I'm saying this as someone who, who needs uh, very vocals, my ability to ensure that things are capitalised correctly or, uh, or, or not is definitely diminishing as I get yeah. older. Well, I'm thinking it's, it's, it's the deliberate choice. of Because for me, a lowercase x, that's a nice little, that's a little, that's a little peck. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's yep. And that's that's the sort of standard. I think that's the standard across the board. That's X. <laughs> it's it's just that that nice little little peck on the cheek. Yeah. Little affectionate little thing. And then you get people who do the X, the big capital one, and that just feels like a big like Mwah! and I don't think people intend that at all, but that's how I read it. I see the big X and I'm like Mwah! Like big, big old kiss at the end, like Miss Piggy. <laughs> oh, God bless Miss Piggy. I, well, God I, that, rest her soul. I know. Well, she was like, I remember when, because I when I grew up, I, I when I was growing up, I was the only person of uh, East Asian heritage in my school, and it was the time. It's in the seventies, so there was not quite still Bruce Lee times, but kind of there was that, that association of karate. And in the school playground, everyone thought I could do kung fu, and the only. Of 
of course, you know, could you see me? I look so freaking Chinese. And the example I had for doing that chop was Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But let's let's kind of like start where with, with, with the prompt today, because I'd love to get into them a little bit. Gosh, and we're five minutes in. I know. This the first one really relates to like the title of X marks the spot, and it's what if you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now? And this was inspired. I was I had, a number of years ago. I attended a and then a bonding course. I think it was with a lady called Nancy Swisher. And I still remember sitting in Regent's College in, in near the park in London, and she wrote the following quote on the blackboard. This place where you are right now, God has circled on a map for you. And it's by Hafiz. And I, I, I lived with a disabling chronic illness, and for a number of years I was actually on disability benefits and part but part of the uh, work capability group so every I think it was supposed to be maybe every year or two but it ended up pretty much every six months because myself and the advisor kind of got on a, quite well I, I, I would be I would have a phone call a little appointment or just to chat and see how things are doing and I remember one time talking to her saying because I was saying oh you know I'm going to do this massive open online course. I'm looking into this sort of thing. And she was being quite impressed because like, I think this is why she used to, call, she used to like me because I would come in and go or like talk to her and go, yeah, I'm trying to do these things, even though it's blatantly obvious that I couldn't do shit. And I remember saying to her that, because she was being impressed, I remember saying to her going, you know, what if this is it? What if this is as well as I get? What if this is as much as I can do? I can't wait until I'm better to start thinking about what I can do with my life. I need to kind of start now. And when I think about that quote about where the place where you are, God has marked on a map for you, that can be both beautiful and painful for me because of, you know, I'm still socially isolated. I'm still, you know, struggling with my health. And yet I also know that these are things which, given an opportunity for my empathy to grow, for my resilience to develop, for me to perhaps, perhaps understand the suffering of others who may experience something similar and trying to find meaning in that and rather than fighting my circumstances, rather than seeing them as as a cruelty and there are times actually when I will admit that every six or 12 months I, I have a despair and I go it is terrible it is awful how the universe has smited me but generally speaking you know being able to just go okay so this is this is where I am this is what I'm supposed to be doing even if it doesn't feel like those things are the case and just offering this idea of you know what if you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now I love the question, and I love it as an invitation to think that you already are rather than a question to see if you're not, if you know what I mean. Because it feels like one of those where, I guess if I'm using, I think borrowing a term from conscious leadership, if you're above the line, then it is easier to believe that you are in the right place or in the place that you need to be right now. Whereas if you are below the line, and I think there's many ways you can interpret that, but you can probably infer what I mean. Yes. Um, then I think it's 
probably more questionable. So it feels like it's very subjective to the mood and the moment that you're feeling right now. Because if you're mm. dissatisfied with your situation, if uh, gratitude is maybe a little bit harder to reach for, then maybe you don't feel like you're in the right place right now. But I like the invitation to contemplate whether perhaps you might be, especially if, as I am very prone to doing, one of the things I'm really finding out about myself at the moment that I find hardest to live with mm. is the inability to go, you're probably doing the right things at the moment. You just have to wait for them to take effect. An example being, if we, if we think about something like weight loss, Mm. Um, or even something like uh, quitting a habit like smoking, you know, you're not going to see an immediate benefit, but it, it, you will over time. And if it's about starting something rather than stopping something, then the benefits compound over time. Mm. But another an analogy, which I think comes from uh, James Clear, is <laughs> melting a block of ice. Like it, mm. we are slowly turning up the temperature, and that ice is going to remain ice until it isn't anymore. Yeah. Because it also, but the thing, I mean, as you're talking, the thing that comes into my mind, and I can never pronounce his name correctly, I'll, I'll do an attempt and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll get corrections later, uh, Eckhart Tolle, I think it's Tolle, and he talks about being in quicksand and how if you keep on struggling, that will actually make you sink further, whereas actually just to go, to take a breath and go, okay, so I'm in this situation you are then more resourced to go, oh, and there's a branch there, which I can then grab onto to pull myself out. And I think it ties back into our first episode on acceptance, really, on what if I, I am where I'm supposed to be and what does that look like? Rather than using so much energy to fight one's circumstances or to blame them, I mean, there's, there's been a little bit of discussion in the positive psychology world, should we say, which which is which is diplomatic term for argy-bargy about uh, I think it's Sonia Lubomirsky talked about how there's like a pie chart and 50% of your happiness is set by genetics 40% on what you do and like 10% on circumstances now this has been this piece of research has been poked and prodded and she does admit that this is like an average is kind of like, almost like an example but to say that it's not entirely one thing or the other that we do have agency on these things and certainly research research suggests that people who win the lottery and people who have life altering uh, accidents after about a year or to 18 months return to the same baseline of happiness they were before those that, that positive and as you would imagine negative transformation occurred I think, um, yes, if I, if I uh, remember my, uh, if I have my Hendrix right, then I think in the case of lottery winners, they can bounce back, but then also could end up being less happy than they were. So they sort of bounce and then they, they have a further sort of a bit of a decline because of uh, the, old, the age old upper limit problem. Yeah, because I think that's, that's Gay Hendrix, uh, the big leap, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I think there can be this thing of tying into what I was talking about previously of saying to my job center advisor that I can't wait to be happy. We, we get these things, you know, I'll be happy when, and we get it. And then we have this thing called hedonic adapt adaptation. And so the thing that we thought would make us happy, makes us happy for a little while, and then we adapt to it. 
And then, you know, particularly something big like that, we think it will solve all our problems, like, you know, getting big lottery win or whatever. And then we realize actually, while it resolves some, there may be new ones that it then highlights. Wherever you go, there you are, is the phrase that uh, yes. that comes to mind. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so if, if we really kind of like think of that phrase, you know, wherever you are, wherever you go, there you are, then this framing, this looking at accepting where we are right now, perhaps not being the source of our difficulties and our challenges because even if uh, it's it's a cliche but the idea of the grass being greener on the other side and so many people end relationships and change things up and and you know bearing in mind that these are good things you know if our soul is calling us for expansion and we're in a situation which is keeping us contracted and closed and tight and uninspired then you know, the Ananin for the time comes when it was more painful to stay in the bud than it is to blossom. We need the space. I'm thinking about the creative people who you work with. You know, they're needing the space to actually blossom and to express themselves. And if it's this restless thing of, oh, I don't like this. Oh, no, I'm going I'm to change it because, oh, 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 that kind of that itchiness mm. where actually the thing they're trying to get away from and avoid is, is the experience of oneself. Mm-hmm. then then it can be kind of just this little thing of may, maybe God circled this this spot on the map for you. And I, when, I, when I talk about God, I'm, I was actually, <laughs> I was raised as an atheist, as in like withdrawn from RE lessons and, and sat in the, sat in oh, the wow. cupboard for a year. I'm sure I've told you this before, sat in the cupboard for a year, like drawing and reading like dusty old poetry books. I, to, to be fair, I should have done more of my homework in that half hour each week, but never mind. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think it was good, good, like good meditation practice or some shit. But, you know, I think of it this way, you know, another phrase, another way people describe it as good orderly direction. And so, or just the universe or, ah, well, you know, it's kind of like just having a a sense of something bigger than ourselves. I I, I don't, I, I, I'm not poo-pooing that at all. I'm just, you know, we don't don't need to, we don't need to do the acronym, but I know I'm completely with you. you. Cool. Cool. (laughs) And then like, so, and so, no, okay. We've worked out. Okay. You know, we're asking ourselves, maybe I am where I'm supposed to be right now. And that might be for like positive reasons or even sometimes to give us the nudge to change things. There's kind of like having, this is all data. This is all information. This, the next prompt actually prompt kind of ties in with, you know, the thing which you mentioned at the top of the hour, you know, the, the, the kiss thing. If you are going to be where you are, and that's where you're supposed Why to be. Why not have a little kiss? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> up, baby. Well, actually, well, I was going to say, this is slightly related. How can you bring more love into what you do? Mm. And I was like inspired on this because I know that you've changed your the way that you end your emails. I thought you might. I was yeah. Yeah, because that's what popped into my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ta- explain about that, Mark. Uh, so I used to just have the standard... Uh, signing off of take care um and i'm sure before that like everybody else i had something like kind regards but now i have your brilliant and it offers and it, it's nice actually because people do occasionally indicate that they've read that and appreciate it and uh someone even put it in a podcast oh yes one of my clients, as a sort of parting message, as they, they were putting their, their podcast uh, 
to bed, perhaps temporarily, but perhaps uh, not. Sort of gave me a nice little uh, a little mention, and uh, and sort of made mention of of this little line. And um, so it's nice. It's had a it's had a, it's it's spread out a little bit, and it's one of the benefits that it has is if you're going to write an email that is maybe less positively framed choosing those it, words carefully <laughs> yes it invites you to think about maybe how you might reframe something as as positive if someone has not met an expectation or an agreement you might be able to reframe this in 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 terms of this is the thing that can be done this is the thing that is achievable because dot 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 you're brilliant mm. instead of saying you suck and everything you do sucks and I hope that we never have to work together again. You're brilliant, Mark Steadman. It, yeah, it, it invites a congruence with your values, doesn't it, really? Uh, I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. And, and it is interesting the way it's, it promotes this this kindness, this reframing, this checking oneself. Because I'm, I'm, the thing that I was going to ask about, you know, what might be different if everything you did was signed off with an invisible kiss? Because I, I, for me, I know... Lovely question. Because well, I'm just thinking of kind of like projects and doing tasks and things. I know for myself the difference, the different energy I have when I am working through a to-do list and going, oh, just need to get this off, sorted, done, out of the way, versus doing something where uh, there's a sense of love and care and yeah I mean like this is, this is going to sound a bit daft you know when I when I send birthday cards pop them through the post I kind of like put a bit, a bit of a almost like invisible kiss on the back just to send them off safely so they arrive to their destination with an extra love and I think I'm just wondering for myself what might be different if I did that I'm going to quote from uh, a Roger McGough poem from her uh yeah, Blazing Fruit, selected poems from 67 to 87. And there's a hearts and flowers. I, I won't read the whole thing, but he's talking about his Auntie Marge. To her, life was a storm in a holy water font across which she breezed with all the grace and charm of a giraffe learning to windsurf. But sweating in the convent laundry, she would iron Amos's albs and surplices with such tenderness and care, you'd think priests were still inside. And I think there's this thing of doing these things as if the priests were still inside. There's just a there's just a richness there. It makes me think of the difference between people who sweep the streets and then can't they're thinking of other things and can't wait to just get it done, and other people who are really present with the task. It kind of talks about mindfulness. It talks about presence. It talks about intention. Yeah, I think intention, connection, and seeing it as seeing the piece of work or the thing that you are sending off as almost an extension of you and an extension of the relationship uh, that you have that feels sort of seeing it as a as a gift, just as you might pop a little uh, X on on the little card that accompanies a gift. Yeah, because because I'm particularly just thinking about the creative people who you work with for whom it is quite natural to see uh, artifacts as an extension of themselves and to put an awful lot of themselves into the work. And actually that can almost be like a double-edged sword. You know, on the one hand, you're putting so much into yourself, the other hand, of yourself into something, but on the other hand, it feels so exposing to be so vulnerable perhaps. 
one of the things that I think I'm increasingly interested in is less about the polish and the aesthetics of a piece of work and more the personal connection with it. Um, and so if we look at this in the, in the realm of podcasting, for example, I'm more drawn to people who maybe want to do things that are closer to WhatsApp voice notes than they are to off menu or a murder mystery podcast or whatever. And those things are so, they are like love letters. They are like gifts. And when you do it well, or when you do it to the better of your abilities, then you are thinking about a specific person and who, when you let this this little this little dove take flight, who it's going to fly to. And so, yes, whether it's sealed with a kiss or not, having that sense of, I made this for you and I hope it finds you well. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, actually, that the word artisan has come into mind, artisan versus mass production. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking the kind of we're both fans of the repair shop. You know that that those those people, they are extremely good at what they do, and there's a level of love and care in what yeah. they do. You wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kirsten or or Lovely Will, Lovely Dreamboat <laughs> Will, were to give their objects a little kiss before they put the blanket over them. You know, just it's okay. I'm just going to put the blanket over you now, and then they'll. <laughs> You'll be back with your. You'll be back with your owner soon. Just there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is so much. I mean, yes, you know, uh, on on to, to one degree, it is competence porn. It's just amazing to watch people who are who are amazing at a thing. But the this whole other aspect is the absolute care yeah. with which this stuff is executed, and mm. it goes beyond. If you if you'll if, uh, forgive the clumsy degendering the craftspersonship it goes beyond that because it's not just about the craft mm. it's about the work the thing you said earlier it's about the care and care yeah. and craft i think that's that's interesting there's there's, there's a, a an interesting coupling of those two words because they're mm. not necessarily the same i think you can and part of that i think knows if you're gonna have if you're gonna make a chair it's thinking about who's Who's, whose bum's going to sit on it? Um, <laughs> you know, thinking about the use, what what that chair is going to be used for. Because if I think like artisan woodworking, I probably think of uh, Nick Offerman and he makes chairs. If you have that person in mind that that chair is for, I mean, mm. to take it to back to the repair shop, actually, mm. some of the loveliest things are that they bring in are things that have been created for a specific person, a boyfriend, whatever. Yeah, and then it gets re- repaired, and the oh, the, the 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 beauty and the simplicity in in that, but oh, not simplicity. The beauty and the care and the just the everything in that mm. is is wonderful and love compounding on love and oh yeah. Well, what what, what makes me think of when, I, when you're talking? There's there's two things that make me come to mind. One is you know the people in the repair shop, and we are using them as examples in this, but uh, uh, other people are available. It's their love but of not what... always so handsome. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm the lovely will. It's the love of what they do that is, that has developed into mastery. I think when you talk about, I know you're talking about it's almost becoming a phrase 
for you that you want to have emblazoned on, on your back wall, this thing of, you know, don't give up. I think that's the thing which it almost sounds like you're trying to speak to is trying to say, I know you love this thing. And I know it feels like right now it doesn't love you back. And then like the, then, then the next thought is from John Tarrant, a, a Buddhist Roshi, um, you know, attention is the most basic form of love through it be blessed and are blessed. And I think, again, that's bringing this idea back to being fully present, paying attention. You know, the, the craftspeople on the repair shop, they pay exquisite attention to the thing and they are extremely present to what it is they are working on. They are bringing the full weight of their experience and the attention that they have paid to so many other pieces in the past so that they can bring a wealth of themselves to the new item that they are seeking to heal and heal the person through it almost and uh, i was going to i was going to attempt a cheesy segue uh, and then i i refused at the hurdle and so instead <laughs> i'm going to invite us to maybe look at the third prompt Fair enough, because it's it, it's interesting just thinking about these exemplars. This idea of paying repeated attention to develop mastery, one foot in front of the other. This direction of travel towards love, being pulled by love for something, someone, some experience. And the third and final prompt is: What small action may bring you huge benefits? You mentioned earlier on about the, the, the multiplication, the James Clear thing of, you know, and it is based on the, inspired by his book, Atomic Habits, you know, because X can also be a multiplication symbol. What can you multiply in your life in the smallest, with the smallest action for the greatest benefit? You know, I think both of you and I have been reading a book called about 10Xing, which has a very particular angle on how ten, I think 10x is easier than 2x and actually mm -hmm. looking to cut away the 80% of the things that don't bring you joy and don't use and don't support you using your highest gifts and focusing on a 20% how that can bring you much greater rewards than just trying to get things incrementally better but it is this thing of just trying where's the leverage point what if if you were uh, where's the where's the sweet spot the the acupuncture point which creates the greatest release for you for me it would be if I could get my sleep on a, a really even keel that I think would probably be the thing which would have the greatest impact on my mood on my 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 eating habits my uh, productivity my availability there's there's a whole bunch of things which i think it would and and so you know the small things that i can do you know have been small things i've been doing have been helping me nudge towards that but it's still not quite there you know i in, in, inspired by uh conversations i had last at the end of last year i now i don't tend to watch too much tv after nine o'clock i'd go to bed when i'm tired and I light a candle, I have gentle music playing, it's exactly the same soundtrack on Spotify, I really need to find another one, but it's nice, it's got twinkly music and like nature sounds, and it's kind of like sometimes the same track comes up and I go, oh, hello, old friend. Just trying to let my nervous system know that, okay, honey, you're going to go to sleep soon now, and just 
having these little things in and I know there's a whole bunch of other little nudges I could do in my day just to support me towards and again what might multiply my happiness what might multiply my sense of peace what might multiply my sense of purpose for me the previous prompt about doing things and adding little love to them I think that for me is a way of multiplying my presence, multiplying the satisfaction I get from things. Just as you were talking there about multiplying what you can do, sort of multiplying your purpose, I was then thinking about, and uh, we've been we've been in the slightly metaphysical realm and the very much the thinky realm. And I'm kind of loath to take this to something that feels a bit actionable and maybe a bit linked in and a bit work. Go for it. But But. that is the value of having things that you can create that people can download or, uh, or otherwise obtain that are ways that people can experience you. Mm. That are ways that you can then be multiplied because there are things that we I think one of the things I've been thinking of recently is there's lots of things that we can provide on a one-way basis mm. that can be, they tend towards the general and then where things become really valuable is spending time with us around the specifics. So here's how you do a thing in general versus, and, and that's a thing that's available, download it and that's very kind of broadcast, one-to-many. Then there's the, if you want specific, guidance on this particular case or this particular problem, this particular question, then we can work one-to-one. But I think what I like there is acknowledging that there are ways that we can multiply what we... uh, Multiply our value by just being cognizant of what that value looks like. And for for lots of us, I think we undervalue presence. We undervalue Mm. the presence that that we offer. And what that feels like. And it's really interesting to look at what would that be like if you could offer something like that, something that felt like presence Mm. in a one-to-many form. Mm, Because then you are then look into the realm of how do you multiply your impact? Mm -hmm. How do you multiply change, really? How do you leverage the gifts and the ability and, and, and the blessings that you have you know the strengths that you have in a way which then almost creates like a cascade effect I think that's why you know I, I I like to work with the people who I work with sometimes because I know that they tend to work with other people too <laughs> and so I, I kind of makes me think of that idea of the the, the the story about being by the river and pulling people out you know, individually and then someone goes, and I'm not going to join you pulling out the river. And they go, why? And says, I'm going to go further upstream and find out why they're falling in in the first place. Maybe there's a bridge there that needs fixing. Maybe if someone is leading them astray, you know, you can only rescue, you can only pull like one person out of the river at the time. But if you fix the bridge, you know, you can then ensure the safety of so many more people. Which brings us back to the point uh, that you were you were asking around habits and what is the sort of the fulcrum or the uh, the maximum point of leverage that you can find? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to thinking on how habits can compound. Was it the Bruce Lee quote of was it a long term consistency uh, trumped short term intensity? 
And I think there can be finding ways to set ourselves up for a win, I believe mm-hmm. is the phrase. Yeah, make know. the right thing the easy thing. Yeah, because I know that you, you've had an example about, because for like, Using takeaway apps, I think you did. You, you added, you added some friction. You know, made the hard thing the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> made the wrong thing the hard thing. Yes, uh, damn it, it worked. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and, and it just gave you that that moment long enough to go. Oh, actually, is there something in the freezer I can have instead? Yeah, yeah, and and and, and it is just kind of working out where can I smooth friction in some places, where can I add friction in others. Uh, so, uh, mutual friend Anna has a whole sort of thing about hypnosis and the sort of everything is hypnosis. Hmm. And it sort of made me think about that for a moment there of we are, for want of a better word, lowercase h hypnotized into certain patterns or certain things. You know, it's, it's Friday night. I've just finished doing these jobs. It's time to order a takeaway. Sort hmm. of, you just... The the slide is already sort of there, you know. The the pole is already greased. The automatic pilot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, just enough friction to sort of go, oh, ah, ooh, yes, and it just breaks you out of that sort of uh, again lowercase h hypnosis of just oh right, okay, yes, I'm actually thinking uh, I'm going to not do that. Yeah, and what it, what do you think, Ken? It is just having that thing just long enough to to wake up. You know, that's what you know they talk about in you know, a meditation. You know, Tower Black co- talks about in you know, the trance of unworthiness. You know, we do have these habituated actions, these uh, go tos, these assumptions, because they are entrained within us. And making that, as I said before, you know, the brain uses up a lot of a lot of calories in comparison to how much it weighs, you know, like twenty percent of our daily intake, I believe. And it it wants to be frugal with its resources. And so, thinking about other options, particularly when you're already tired, particularly when you're already hungry, particularly when you're already just going, oh, I'm just just want this week to be over now, please. Which reminds me, actually, you uh, suggested uh, you you were. Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, <laughs> it might even have been the week before when we were talking about this whole fast food thing, and you were like, "Yeah, that's why I like throwing a uh, a risotto into a slow cooker." And I did that yesterday, and it was great. And tonight, <laughs> I get to make arancini. Oh, double win! <laughs> yeah, arancini in the air fryer. Yes, please. So you know every every cloud. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's let's bring this in for landing. And obviously, we're going to sign this off with lots of X's. Um, <laughs> that's the one. But it is interesting, you know, I'm just going to leave you with this thought that, you know, we see X's all the time. There's, you know, there's an app now called it. There are X's like telling us that we, sh- we shouldn't go this way or we've done something bad. And just to maybe take them now as an opportunity for just for a moment of check-in. And just to check our assumptions, what that X might mean for us in this moment. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin, and you can find us at a to z of happiness.com, where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of happiness.